This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We've got some really big announcements coming down the pipe soon. So if you guys haven't checked out our weekly newsletter, The Roundup, go check that out on our website. Uh, just throw your email in there. We're not going to spam you. Just a weekly roundup of all of our content and some oil news. Camilo Mejia and Zane Foster from Innovate Upstream joined us this week for a great episode. These guys, like many in our industry, cut their teeth in the corporate world for nearly a decade each before ultimately deciding that the corporate life just wasn't for them. We dive into the startup life and how their software platform is disrupting the drilling completions and production space. But really quickly, before we get into the episode, this episode is brought to you by our good buddies over at Well Database. This is your first time hearing about them. Well Database is our go-to provider for all things oil and gas data. If you're messing with this kind of data, chances are you're probably also doing some sort of decline curve analysis. Well Database is now making that workflow super simple with their built-in decline curve analysis tool. Rather than find and export and import into Aries or a PhD win, you can do it instantly right there in Well Database. So that means if you're looking through deals, you can do your analysis probably at least like 10 times faster. If you want to see what the decline over EUR for, say, Conoco in the Bakken versus the Eagleford, boom, you can do that too. And probably one of the coolest features that you can do a quote-unquote best fit curve, so it'll figure it out if it should be exponential, hyperbolic, modified ARPS, etc. And it'll tell you how good that fit actually is. So once again, the guys over Well Database are building in a ton more functionality into their platform at no additional cost outside of your normal subscription. Well Database plans range from free for well-level data all the way up to $1,000 per month per user for their professional package. So go check them out at welldatabase.com and tell them we sent you. What's going on, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. I'm excited today because our guest came in with swag, came in with, with the, uh, the proper 12. Here we go. Proper 12. If you're watching this on video, you can Proper see. Proper 12. Look at that. <laughs> hey, I wrote Innovate across the top. That way, when you guys are drinking it, that'll be the Innovate Yeah, man. This is an Irish whiskey for an Irish man. Yeah. I'm Scottish, but I'll pretend I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the boys over from Innovate Upstream. We've got Zane and Camillo here. Welcome, guys. Thanks Thank for joining us, Thank you very much, us, man. man. No, we appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah. You made the, you made so the trip that, in how, from San Angelo. I did. The short six-hour drive here. Oof. <laughs> That's some commitment. It's better than the eight-hour drive from Midland with three toddlers. <laughs> yeah. I made, made that two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, boy. No, uh, yeah, no. It, you know, again, like I told you guys before we started, I listened to the podcast. So it's it's an honor to be here and be able to to be on it with you. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. How's, it, how's it feel if you listen to it and now you're in the hot seat? You know, what's funny is I've thought about that before. Like when I joined Innovate, yeah. uh, we actually had the conversation early on um, because I've always been interested in technology and oil and gas, but. I worked for a very large oil field service company before I joined Innovate. So there was not really an opportunity to, to ever come in. Yeah. Right. So yeah. early on after mm -hmm. I joined, I sent Camilo a few episodes and I said, Hey man, I think you should listen to this. And I think this would be a good, good jump off for us to kind of get our name out there in front of some people. I think the right demographic people who are interested in technology. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's not a good one. It's the best one. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the best one I know of for yeah. oil and gas startups. Yeah. Sure. Camila, tell us, tell us a little bit about what Innovate is, you know, that high level overview. What are you guys doing? Sure. Absolutely. I think Innovate Upstream um, essentially is a hybrid company. We are kind of bringing in oil and gas expertise and digital expertise. I guess the, um, 
the, the, the logic behind the company is about kind of bridging the gap in between the languages, computer science and oil and gas. So the main goal is to facilitate the transition to all the digital applications, which has been a challenge for the past five, six, five, six years. So yeah. I think, yeah, essentially it's about a hybrid company bringing digital and oil and gas experts together. Uh, the second component is about, you know, building an, an organization that is forward thinking, innovation driven. When it comes down to oil and gas, oil and gas is very driven by, um, you know, sustainable innovation. It's about building the same technology better and better. And we have a kind of a vision in terms of radical innovation, which means bringing newer technologies to actually tackle the challenge we have right now in the industry. So uh, to answer your question, it's a hybrid organization focused on radical innovation. Awesome. So, are you, so in, in terms of practical application, are you guys more of a, a consulting firm that you're going in and you're you're helping organizations build new things or you're building stuff? Or are you guys like a software company that's you, you have right. one product or maybe a, a suite of products that you're selling to the market? Right. So that's, a, that's a great question because that's actually the differentiator of the company. We are a software company with the goal to empower EMP operators to go into the digital kind of era. And the goal is to build in a product, in this case, a digital ecosystem for upstream so customers can use it by themselves and make better decisions at any stage of the upstream kind of value chain. Okay. And Camilo says Prog, which is like a, the, one of the modules or a suite. It was, always, yeah. it was new to me. It wasn't what I, wasn't what I generally referred to it as, but yeah. that's what he's referring to, yeah. right? So. so let's talk about y'all's, y'all's backgrounds. You know, Camilo, if you want to start off, sure. you know, um, I like to hear the stories of people and, sure. you know, what led you guys up to, you know, sitting here on the podcast. So, yeah. you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, Zane, we'll talk about you as well. I think that the story of the team members is actually the, the remarkable kind of piece of the company. Uh, in my case, I spent about 14, 15 years working for a large service company, going to so many places, I don't know, 40, 50 countries. Um, been, uh, Weatherford. Oh, Weatherford, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been here in the States for the past 10 years, you know, going throughout the entire United States, Oklahoma City, Pittsburgh, Denver, Wichita, um, Utah, uh, Midland, so a lot of places here. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the great American right, oil tour. Right. No exactly. pretty places on that tour. But. No. Yeah, exactly. So back in 2019, um, I had to make a decision whether I should continue with the corporate life and I'm becoming, you know, continuing being that follower. And I think being a follower is fine as long as you kind of trust the, the leadership from the organization. And the second option was kind of going independent, trying to make something meaningful for the industry. And I think this is the perfect time for people to kind of realize the value that we can bring to the industry. We are in evolving times and I saw the opportunity to kind of bring all the expertise and to some extent kind of pay back to the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's my background. So, you know, so, so what do you do on the service side? You know, what, what are you an engineer or what do, sure. you, what do you do? I went from the field level, working on directional driller, logging, uh, white drilling technologies, uh, sales, operations management. Then I got um, kind of specialized in geoscience. Uh, when it came to estates, focus on completions, production. So a little bit of everything. That's kind of the typical life, you know. Yeah. a large service company. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my last job was kind of leading the global product line for evaluation services at that particular company. And that gave me kind of the background, the technical background, sales background, and obviously the kind of leadership, kind of um, the skills that you really need to actually try to do something from scratch. Yeah, if from you go scratch. from the field level to sales yeah. to management, you've seen a yeah. little bit and everything in yeah. between, huh? Yeah. 
Good. So Zane, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us how you guys linked up and you know what brought you over to the company. Yeah, for sure, man. So I've been in sales for 15 years. Uh, I started out in financial services out in Scottsdale, Arizona back in 2005. Um, I, uh, I moved into software in 2009 when I moved to Austin and I got into oil and gas in 2013. Uh, my first it's a great time. Yeah, it was great. I mean, <laughs> literally, time. I rode it all the way to the top yeah. for about six months. Um, no, it was great. Honestly, I, my first job was a field sales guy for a company that rented pneumatic auto drillers for brake handle rigs. And I had no idea, you know, kind of the transition that was taking place at the time. I worked with a guy who'd been in the industry for a while and he had a spreadsheet tracking, you know, AC top drive rigs and Kelly rigs at the time. And it was like 80-20, right, with brake handle. And we kind of watch this transition happen. And fortunately, about a year later, I got recruited by Payson. So yep. I became a regional account manager for Payson, the Permian Basin in 2014. Wow, I want to stop real quick and talk about this brake handle issue because mm -hmm. like a lot of people don't know, like I consider myself like one of the last of the, you know, the last sure. breed of the old school Kelly rig drillers. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. you look at the brake handle mechanism of a rig. Like when I broke out, it was in, you know, 2010 timeframe. It's like, man, these rigs look exactly like the old ones, you know, from back yeah. earlier part of the century. <laughs> sure. And, you know, the technology hadn't really advanced yeah. much. So even when you look at simple things, it's like, okay, you have your brake handle and then you got a chain hooked up to it. And, yep. you know, it's just, it was kind of stupid. You know, right? on our installs, it was, you, there were a lot of zip ties that were used back then. <laughs> I mean, that was actually, you know, a, a really instrumental time for me, though, because I didn't have any experience in oil and gas at that point. And we were always shorthanded. So I got to help install a bunch of these auto drillers. And I spent a lot of time on location. I spent a lot of time on the rig floor that first year. And, you know, if you've ever shown up on location, you know, and knocked on the company man's door when he's stuck or you're not sure what issue he's dealing with at the moment. You know, I learned a lot about how to communicate with people in the industry then, too. Yeah. Right? And so that's actually a really good point, man, because yeah. like you think if you try to mm -hmm. you know, say that you're a kid from Stanford out in Silicon Valley and you're making a technological solution and you're like, I'm just going to go knock on doors in the field. But there's a certain way to that's talk to company exactly men a point, out there, right? right? Yeah. What's <laughs> the what's the right way? Let's school people real quick. Well, like, I'll, I'll put it like this, like, you know. I have a friend that, um, Stanford PhD, um, moved to New York city and then came down here and he's like, he's South Korean. And he's like, I want you to take me out to Midland. And I was like, man, that's going to be like, you know, like I'm going to have to be like your tour guide. That'd be like me asking you to take me to South Korea and right. translate, you know, like it's that much different. Um, just those little nuances of yeah. like going up to a company man's shack and sure. knocking on the door and, you know, what is he dealing with? Like being able to read those types of things. There's so many different intricacies and it also i mean it kind of introduced me to the type of people that are in our industry as well right i mean if you catch them at the right time they're willing to teach you catch right? them at the wrong time they're assholes they'll tell you to get the hell out of it <laughs> hey man what the hell are you doing here and don't ever come back i mean a lot of that but again in that time i got i got really familiar with operations on location how to conduct myself when i was there uh because i mean literally i, I they gave me a pickup truck and they're like take off man west texas oklahoma and i would hit 10 15 20 rigs you know every day if i could sometimes if you're going further out west right you got a lot yeah. further to drive but you know that was a good experience for me because i learned a lot about you know what happens on location and then i went to work at payson yeah uh, so after that let's dive into that a little bit because sure. you know if people don't know what payson is payson was pretty innovative Sure. Know, back in back in the day and actually when i was 
breaking out on rigs. There were people that weren't able to keep drilling because they weren't willing to learn how to operate pace on. Yep. And then you have people mm-hmm. like me come in there and I'm like, what the fuck? This is just a simple a zero and out weight on bid. Every connection, it like was little easy. things. It that was were, easy. Yeah. Like I learned to drill mm-hmm. off of pace on mm-hmm. where other people mm-hmm. were falling out of the industry because they weren't right. willing to learn how to use the computer. And, and so space on was like the first computerized like rig system. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, EDR, yeah. right. It's electronic drilling recorder. Essentially they have all of the sensors on the rig, standpipe pressure, mm-hmm. weight on bed, rotary speed. Yeah. So you can see all your parameters while you're drilling instead of, and then like, you know, people were doing things on, on just pen and paper. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Tally books. And yeah, yeah. And so being able to do all that in the computer mm-hmm. was very simple concept for younger people that were coming out on the rigs, but so Pace on just got popular like in like 2013, 2014. No, I mean they, they've been around, been around for a while. while. I would say there's two different EDR companies that are 50% market share within US land. One's owned by NOV and the other one is Pace on, which is a standalone company. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh when someone refers to an EDR system, they'll generally say, Hey, the Pace on's not working. Right. Like it's 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 an industry standard, and a lot of times yeah. that's through the contractor. They they generally choose what they use because you can do your tower sheets in there, um, you know, different codes for rig states and things like that. So it's a recording tool for the contractor and the operator. You know how many times I've heard get pace on on the line. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know you know how often I still get calls at three yeah. o'clock in the morning saying, "Hey, dude, pace yeah. on's down." I'm like, I haven't worked there in four years. <laughs> I just but made a, I literally just made a Facebook comment about that yesterday. I was like, every once in a while, Chesapeake Energy calls me about expandable casing installations. Yeah. I'm like, I haven't done that for three years. <laughs> yeah. I saw my number. <laughs> yeah, I was. St- I got a call from that not long ago. I was still on the the, the pro- I was still on the uh, the drilling probe. Like yeah, as the contact, and I'm like, dude, I left there a long time ago. So, I went to pay some for um, two or three years, and you know when things got bad, they shut down the office in Denver, moved everything to Houston, and the CFO stayed. Uh, and he contacted me one day out of the blue and asked if I knew anybody in sales in West Texas, and I said not really. And he said, what about you? Right. So he introduced <laughs> me to another company, a small independent company at the time called magvar they uh, they do uh magnet add magnetic reference values and do mwd corrections in real time so i didn't know anything about it a couple of days later i go to an aade luncheon in midland and you know uh, bobby smith at apache talks about how important well spacing is going to be in the future and mm-hmm. you know how ellipses of uncertainty need to be something that we implement into our drilling programs and uh, that's what those guys were talking about so i decided to make the move did that for about six months and that company got bought by H&P. So I have had been working at H&P for almost three years uh, until I joined Innovate. Uh, I actually put in my notice on April 20th when futures were trading negative for the first time in yep. history. <laughs> I left a management position at a very large oil field service company to join a startup that hadn't launched their first product <laughs> yet. Right. Uh, so that tells you what I think about what we have to offer. And, and mm-hmm. Camilo and I have a mutual friend. Um, we, we worked together at one point. I was at dinner and I just said, hey, I'm not sure this corporate thing is for me. Um, I personally enjoy working with small groups of very smart people. Uh, not hard to get a group of people smarter than me, but at, <laughs> at Innovate, it's uh, it's it's mind blowing. And after I met Camilo, we were introduced. We had a few conversations and talked about you know wanting to be a disruptor with technology in the oil and gas space, and looking at my future, kind of like we talked about and what Camilo mentioned. I didn't see that I would have the impact that I wanted to have in the industry. And then becoming a dad and like, you know, one day my daughter being like, hey, how come you were always gone? Like, what was so important that you couldn't come to my mm-hmm. whatever, you name it? I didn't have a good answer. 
you know, I don't think I would have given a good enough answer for her to be satisfied. So for me, the opportunity to join a company like Innovate and, and have a big impact on, you know, creating something from nothing, literally, you know, from product launch to zero customers to now adding customers and growing this into what we think it will be or what we know it can be was enough for me to say, hey, uh, I'm on. You know, and I, like I said, that day was tough because, you know, I told my boss on the Friday before and the weekend is when futures went negative. And on Monday when we spoke again, he's like, you changed your mind, right? And I'm like, no, man, <laughs> I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to buy a ticket. I was changing my mind. I'm going to buy a ticket and take the ride. So that's that's how I ended up here. And it's, you know, it's it's reinforced every day that I made the right choice. Yeah. So I think you guys, you guys both have kind of similar backgrounds. You came from the corporate life. Now you're doing the startup thing. So it's been, you know, five or so months for you. Mm -hmm. And then Camille, how long has it been for you? 15. 15 months? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So so for anybody who's listening, because this is the most common type of entrepreneur that we see on the show. Mm -hmm. It's the guys who've, they've had a career. They're dissatisfied with kind of the status quo of doing the whole corporate thing or whether it's through management or whether it's through the company or whether it's just through... That, or maybe they're just attracted to something around like the startup life. What are some of the biggest things that you've like that you can kind of tell some of the other listeners who maybe in your shoes at that point here, they're, they're wanting to go out and they're wanting to kind of do their own thing. What are you seeing is like kind of the, I mean, you're talking about now you can spend more time with your kids. Obviously that's a big thing. What about yeah. for you, Camilo? Yeah, sure. I think uh, that's part of the motivation as well. When I was part of the corporate life, I saw so many smart people getting lost in kind of the politics, bureaucracy, and in that kind of environment, many good ideas, like great ideas kind of disappear in the environment. So part of the innovate culture as well is to kind of give those kind of smart people the opportunity to kind of develop what they want and kind of support that kind of vision, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Corporate life is, you know, is good things and bad things about everything. There are good things about startup, bad things about startup. But um, I think the risk-taking approach when it comes down to value creation and technology development is more kind of visible in a startup environment. And I think that's one of the biggest differences, at least when when it comes down to what we see as a company. One thing that sticks out to me about y'all's story is, you know, you guys really start focusing on this, you know, beginning of the year 2020. Um, Obviously, you have this double black swan event with COVID and uh, pricing war between um, Saudi and and Russia. And, you know, our our story of digital wildcatters is very similar. We started working full time on digital wildcatters right, you know, two weeks before that hit. And so we decided, yeah, we're going to go full time on Ninja Wildcatters and then everything hits. And it was like, oh, shit, we're, yeah. we're, we're in this. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, it, like you made a comment, you know, you brought us this bottle of whiskey and you said, yeah, I've heard on your shows, you know, people are bringing you swag. Mm-hmm. It's like we haven't even had the opportunity to make any swag because we don't have yeah. we don't have Can't customer meetings to, to give it to. <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about, you know, being a startup's hard enough, right? Yeah. So, it's hard enough. Just like you said, there's pros and cons. And mm-hmm. I would argue, I was like, hey, man, like I'll never look someone in the eyes and tell them to quit their corporate job and start a startup because it sucks. Like it's hard. There's a lot of bad days. And it's, you know, 10x mm-hmm. when you have these challenges where, mm-hmm. you know, now you're trying to do customer meetings, you know, like Zane, mm-hmm. you can talk about this, I'm sure from sure. a sales perspective, you know, doing it over Zoom calls mm-hmm. and you're not getting, you know, that person in a room. So, you know, talk about this a little bit, you know, what you guys are seeing and doing and getting around the, the COVID atmosphere. I think there's a couple of ways you can look at it, right? You can look at it as a challenge or you can look at it as an opportunity. And I think with digital technology, what we've done at Innovate is, is, is it's created opportunities for us. And the pandemic is a good example, right? I think 
uh, you know, and even to Jake's question about, you know, what advice you would give. It's like, what quality of life do you want to have? Right. Like, and I think what people have recognized in this, you know, last six months is that you can be just as productive with the right tools working from home and not spending two, three hours in the car commuting to and from work or eight to 10 hours in the office, you know, under fluorescent lights. Mm -hmm. If you have the right tools, then you can do that work from anywhere. You can do that on your cell phone from your kid's soccer practice. You can do that when you're on the beach on vacation with your wife. Like, you you know, where we're moving as an industry, I think, and the people that we want to attract don't want to be, you know, stuck in a specific geographic location when you don't have to be, yeah. yep. you know? And I think that's what's come to light in this. And that's what, you know, really... <laughs> one of the things that made me want to join the company. I felt like we're going to provide people tools that are going to make their lives better and also allow them to do more with less. Yeah. You know, if you look at the industry as a whole right now, we've seen the layoffs. We all have friends and family and mm -hmm. people that have been let go from positions, yet projects still go on, right? Production has to continue. Drilling will continue. So, you know, people are being asked to do more with less. And I think by, you know, creating technologies that are intuitive and easy to use. One of the comments I heard one of our customers say was, you need to create software that learns the people, not people needing to learn the software, right? So very intuitive things that don't require extensive training. You know, that's the issue right now. Some of the, the, the competitors, you know, quote unquote, that, that we're competing against at the moment are legacy applications that are on-prem and require software upgrades and regular maintenance, these things, right? So you move to more of a, a SaaS model where you can access it from anywhere. It's much, much faster. And again, you have the ability to provide results much quicker, you know? So it's so like archaic to even just hear that it's like on print <laughs> but, but license a software update yeah. it's like, but, but you it, know it's out how, there it's need out. to install the software <laughs> yeah man we get a cd in the mail yeah. like it's 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 That's it's like fast. that so you know i think you know the, again we see this as an opportunity and not you know not a, it is a challenge certainly yeah. And, and what you mentioned, customer interaction and all those things are certainly challenges. But we see opportunities here with the solutions that we're providing because that's what we had in mind from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So can you guys elaborate, you know, on some of the solutions that you do provide and where you see the most value, um, you know, kind of where you're focused on attacking, you know, over the next six months to a year. What and, do you guys and really to, to frame on? that question? Who are, who are the customers that you're talking? Is it EMPs, midstream companies, yeah. whole food service companies? Yeah. So essentially we are kind of a B2B business and being agnostic in the software side, we have the opportunity to work for EMP customers, any type independence. We have some kind of international operations with national oil companies, IUCs, international oil companies in the border. We also work with um, service companies. We we believe in co-creation as part of the innovation component. So we have all sort of profiles in the kind of portfolio of customers we are working for right now. Um, I think it's very dynamic. It's hard to say in six months what, what we're yeah. going to be doing. <laughs> Lot of what question, kind of pro right? we're going to be doing, yeah. But, um, you know, during the uh, COVID-19 there were so many, we saw the opportunity because the industry was going from the operational kind of component to the more financial oriented business. So there were so many customers trying to make decisions around whether they need to continue producing the wells or churning the wells. Uh, so that was a instrumental, that was very instrumental for us to realize the full potential of the technology we were developing the production side. And I think in the 
probably 2020 is going to be around production. So the technology we have is a digital ecosystem that connects drilling, completions, and production. So the production component, I think, is going to be really relevant for the business, in, especially in the U.S. and conventional land market. Mm-hmm. Now, as the market rebounds, because we know the market is going to rebound uh, at some point, obviously the well construction activity is going to increase. So we are developing technologies around drilling applications and completion operations as well yeah now that's the land market in the offshore market you know drilling activity is still quite high and we are actually working in the water with drilling technologies so there is a significant difference between the land market and the offshore market and actually the challenges are very different but i think uh, yeah the production in the land market and well construction in the water will be kind of relevant what's the big use case there so i I understand so uh, so drilling completions and production, mm-hmm. tying them all together, is it more from a workflow perspective or is it more from, say, like a uh, like a well design, well completion, and then seeing how that translates to whether the well is successful through the production numbers? Right. And- that's, that's, that's a good question. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the differentiator at the kind of platform level, if we want to call it like that. So in the past, <clears throat> the traditional way to operate in unconventional was about drilling the wells. Sometimes they evaluate the wells, complain the wells, and once you finish the well construction, then you take all the information and forecast production. And that particular forecast in production is actually the translation to the revenue side, the financial operations. We wanted to kind of change the workflow, and we went backwards in the question, and it's kind of the AI component we have. And there are some inspirations from Tesla and different kind of industries around the kind of workflow. But uh, the kind of value proposition is about understanding What's the maximum potential of your reservoir before you even deploy capital? That's the big question in unconventional right now, capital allocation. So how, how much profit you can make out of that particular reservoir? So we took um, a lot of kind of digital components, a lot of reservoir engineering, physics development to kind of come up with a probe that can tell customers what's the maximum level of production they can achieve in the well, which is something they didn't have before. So mm-hmm. if you know exactly what's the maximum level of production that you can achieve, which is basically the maximum revenue you can achieve, then you can plan better operations. So in the planning phase, to answer your question, it's more about that kind of financial certainty for capital allocation. And then when you know exactly what's that level of maximum or the, the, the upper limit in production, and you know what are the drivers for that production, then you work in automations in well construction. So we have automation for drilling and completions. That's kind of the, the, the differentiator at the platform level, like reversing the workflow for a more kind of ROI, return of investment mm-hmm. kind of model. You know, and you made a comment, I think, on one of the recent episodes that if you were an operator, you would focus on increasing EUR in your existing wells, mm-hmm. right? So taking a look at the inventory that you already own and determine why some wells produce better than others and what drove that production. So like Camilo said, being able to go backwards and take a look at production drivers and offset wells in the same lease or in the same field, how did you get that production? Why does this well produce 10, 20% more than this well? Figuring what that out is and then implementing that into your drilling program so you right. can replicate that and have a better prediction of what the returns will be and what you know capital it will take in order to make that return happen. And, yeah, I kind, of, I kind of come into the conclusion that some rocks is better than the other rock, though. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's, it's true. You're talking up to that, like we just uh, rock. <laughs> we just bought more water, more sand. Yeah. 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 And, and it's true, but that's kind of the question. Trying to understand why it's different, but you are totally yeah. right. Yeah. Well, there's so many variables that go yeah. into it, right? Yeah. You know, not only the quality of rock, 
mm-hmm. but what was the drilling method? You know, what was the well yeah. construction? What was the completion? How much profit did you yeah. pump? Exactly. There's so many variables that go into that, right? And you've mm-hmm. got to start, you know, with all these different technologies, you know, bringing mm-hmm. machine learning and analytics mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever buzzwords you want to throw out there, mm-hmm. you start to understand each one of those variables right. better. Right. And I, that's kind of the, the game changing approach we are taking. It's about taking all that complexity and making it easier for the <clears throat> for mm-hmm. the customers to make decisions. That's, yeah. I think that's the, what the future is about. It's about making things easier to make better operations and obviously getting more financial performance in the industry. Yeah, yeah. something that we used to hammer on like in the early days of the show back in like 2018, you know, especially back then, you know, 2016, 2018, you still had all your legacy software and it was hard to use. And any time someone came out with a new software, you needed, you know, big implementations, you needed training Horrible. on how to actually use the software. And we used to hammer on it all the time. It's like, there needs to be intuitive software yeah. that's easy to use. Like a reservoir engineer should be able to use it. They don't need to be a data scientist, right? right. No, 100%. Yeah. So just as an example, right, my history in oil and gas has been in drilling for the last eight, mm-hmm. almost eight years now. And... You know, coming over to Innovate, I knew that I had a lot to learn about, you know, production and completions. But, you know, we have a lot of smart people, but we have some really intuitive products to the point where I can now um, run a simulation. Essentially, I I can open our flow module, which is the production forecasting module. I can create a scenario, which is a well. I can upload public production data. I can go to the Railroad Commission with an API number, get an Excel spreadsheet. I can upload that into... Uh, flow and I can run a simulation and identify production drivers with the software we have now. And I can do that in about two minutes total. Yeah. You know, from literally from the point of me opening the program, creating the scenario and running the simulation, the simulation takes less than a second, but I mean the other steps in the workflow combined about two minutes. And right now I know reservoir engineers that are taking days, if not a week or more to, to do a model on one reservoir that doesn't translate to wells, you know, offset wells in the same lease. So this is a way to do that much more quickly. And I think what we'll see in, in the next version, which will be out here in a week or two, we've, we've added economics to that, right? So we've, cool. we've added the ability to put a dollar value on, you know, uh, potential production values. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, sorry to interrupt you, Camilla, but I think that if you look from the operations standpoint, that's a point, but also finance side, you know, finance group, say that you have a family office and they're wanting exposure in oil and gas, but they don't understand this complex asset. Now they can take a product like this and mm-hmm. within two minutes, you know, they can start getting some idea of, you know, what a potential well, asset will do or sure. What it has, you know, but. we talked about, you know, who our, our targets are essentially and Camilla mentioned operators and oil service company, but also investors in the oil and gas space, mm-hmm. private equity firms, venture capitalists that are either investing or divesting assets at the moment. You know, if you're looking to make a deal and it takes you two weeks to put a valuation on the wells that you're either going to be buying or selling, that's a significant significant amount of time and values can change drastically. I was going to say with volatility you and know? commodities, so, I like mean, your th- nav again, can change. This, this, is, this is a tool that will allow yeah. you know multiple disciplines within the industry to be able to provide asset values very, very quickly. Yeah. So when you guys, you know, just so I have some clarity on how you actually operate, you know, when you're building a product or a solution, is it kind of bespoke to where it's built, you know, for that company and their needs? Or are these products that are scaled out, you know, packaged and deployed across, you know, say it's a production um, product. Is that same production product rolled out to every EMP or are you guys kind of tailoring it? Right. That's, that's a good question as well. And it's one of the differences with the corporate life. 
because one of the concepts from an innovation standpoint is something called human-centric solutions. And it's about taking into account what the real pain points for the customer are and taking those pain points and framing all the technology development around it. So we have about kind of nine modules within the entire digital ecosystem. And we had a customer as a partner in the development for every single application. And one of the differentiators we have is actually the opportunity to tailor-made that particular development to the reality of the customer we are actually talking to. So I think that's that's, that's really important yeah. going forward because challenges are very different from customer to customer and from location to location. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And with even within companies, right? I yeah. mean, you can have completions yeah. departments in the Permian right. that don't communicate with completions in right. the Eagleford. And so internally, yeah. you know, there's there's different needs and pain points. Right. Yeah, exactly. if you take a look at all, you know, you know, all parties involved, right, uh, in the upstream process, it's not uncommon for there to be silos, you know, within organizations. And that's something that's existed for decades, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I know operators where the geologists are in another building, right? Um, they yeah. don't communicate openly and that data is not accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, a lot of times reservoir guys don't understand, you know, how to uh, evaluate uh drilling data and, and vice versa, right? I mean, there's, there's, they're very um, strategic disciplines, right? They're, they're very focused on their discipline. And so, again, that's another idea, you know, with Innovate is to be able to allow anyone to run any of the applications, regardless of what their, their background is or, or what vertical they're in within the organization. Yeah, I think the opportunity for cost optimization and earning increase in between the silos is quite significant. And like saying was mentioning, we are not going to, fix that problem in the industry, but we are developing a technology that can show the inefficiencies in between the silos. And I think that's kind of the, the, the way forward as well. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you guys built this, you know, who builds, you know, sales, oil field service, technical background, you know, mm -hmm. who's actually developing technology? How do you guys build things? How did you guys get started building things? Yeah. Um, you know, did you guys take funding did you bootstrap tell me everything that i need to know oh we did everything <laughs> <laughs> All the above. you know what i mean right so i think you know the the great thing about innovate is the team behind uh so we have uh you know two different groups the internal group operations and uh, r d how we call it uh so we have our ceo jerry webb kind of leading that particular division and we have reservoir um reservoir engineers drilling engineers data scientists obviously software development uh us ux um all sort of kind of components to build the product we are building and that's, that's a fantastic team we have a really really world-class team that I'm, i think we are lucky to have yeah because it's, it's really hard well when we started it was really challenging to find the right talent for the for the goal and for the vision, but that, that's a success in the company, that particular group. The second group is the experience group, all about sales, marketing, the internal experience. Um, the CXO, Rebecca and I, uh, she is kind of a, another person coming from a corporate life with a lot of experience in terms of all these kind of external components. Mm -hmm. And she has a great team saying it's part of that team and, you know, saying coming from a corporate life with a lot of experience, you know. So the team is actually, uh, the biggest success in the companies. Yeah. Well, a lot of, uh, I mean, diversity, right? So, you know, we have lots of women within our organization that play critical roles. Um, we have 
diverse ethnicities, right? We, we have offices in South America. We have an office in England. We have an office here in Houston. And some of the people that we work with on a regular basis are in Colombia now. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been hit a little harder yeah. by the pandemic, so they not, they're not actually able to travel back at this point. Yeah. Some of them live down there full time. But we have an, inter- uh, an international group that has experience from all different backgrounds. But, you know, again, virtually, Camilo's the only guy I've actually met on the, on the team. <laughs> That's wild. And it's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, like, you know, think and, about that. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. How many is so, on the team total? Like, so we're about 23 right now with 14 here in the States. Like, I've yeah. probably met, like, more employees from y'all's company than some of your right. employees. Have. Like, you I, met I know two. two. Oh, you only know one. <laughs> no, it, you know, but I, I have to give a lot of credit to Camilo and the leadership within the organization because I feel like even virtually we've been able to connect, you know, everybody in this organization is working for a common goal. And, and I think anyone on our team could easily go to work for a large oil field service company or yeah. operator and be a, a very good asset. Yeah. But everybody here has the same vision of that's not really the life that I want to live. And I want to have a larger impact on the products that we create yeah. and the impact <laughs> that we have on the industry. Yeah. And so... You know, I was actually coming down. Um, one of our data scientists was uh, she's staying with the company, but she was moving, and we were going to have a, a little get together outdoors. You know, and I was excited because there was going to be like ten people there that I hadn't met in the hurricane. It was like that Wednesday, so yeah. I literally was in Lano before they sent a cancellation. I had to call and cancel my hotel, but oh, sometime soon, I think maybe we got like three drops of water in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We drove down, we were in Midland and we drove down the day before yeah. and everyone's like, you're crazy going in. And, yeah. then, and I was like, man, it's beautiful on the West side of Houston. I didn't even see any, any rain right. at it's all. Crazy. So, you know, before we end this, you know, what are, what are the next steps? What are the goals for you guys? You know, this is a question I like seeing, you know, where a company's going, what's mm-hmm. the direction um is there anything that stands out you know over the next year you know you guys know where you've come from zero to this point what's over the next 12 to 18 months right that's kind of the exciting part at this moment because we call it phase three phase one was kind of the inception phase two like uh, bringing people to support the grow and battle the COVID. and now we are preparing uh, the company for phase three which is like uh, significant growth and we are really excited uh, we are kind of pursuing different kind of funding rounds, uh, funding kind of opportunities with different type of investors. Uh, we are expanding the business in international markets. We are growing the business here in the U.S. as well. Uh, it's really exciting. It's phase three, is how yeah. we call it. And yeah, we are we are playing we are playing to win and we are playing hard. So Absolutely. it's really exciting. Yeah, I hope to have you guys on the show and in another year yeah. and hear about how you've crushed it. So yeah. if anyone's listening. Where can they find you guys? I mean, I'm assuming you have a website. So yeah. you guys are on LinkedIn. Yep, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Zane Foster. Uh, the website is innovate.ai. Camilo is also on LinkedIn. We're, we have a, a group of people uh, that are very active on LinkedIn. Our social media guru, Jeanette, she's um, done a great job. You guys of- using memes? No, I but I, okay. I, I may get I may need to get a lesson from yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> need to give you some some tips. Have to do a meme, meme write up. <laughs> but yeah, seeing everybody in oil and gas using memes on LinkedIn from yeah. now on. It's it's uh it, it is exciting, and I think their opportunity for growth is really big yeah. on the sales side, right? Like you know, as as you are an early stage technology company, there's a certain set of uh, individuals that are willing to try new things, right? So to increasing adoption in that and then transitioning from that to the early adopters, right? After yeah. we have the references from the innovators, then that's where I really see the opportunity for expansion with, with, our, with our, our products. Cool. Yeah, I think great times are just 
Looks exciting. Around the corner. It's exciting, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, in the like, industry, we, we, live in well. this, we live in this little bubble here with our podcast, and I didn't even realize this until a few weeks ago, but like every week I get to have people come in here that are excited and building and they're optimistic and, mm-hmm. you know, you go out into some corporate atmospheres and it's not like that, right? And so mm-hmm. we've actually cultivated this little bubble that we live here in this studio and I love seeing mm-hmm. it, man. I love seeing Great. guys like you that are trying to tackle problems and, mm-hmm. and build cool solutions and change the industry. Yeah. So. You know, I think that, um, like I said, I, I, I like the one year, like Mark Bohorich over at Q Engineering, you know, we had him on the show in the nice. early days. He comes on again and we're like, oh man, you're crushing it. And then boom, sold. And yeah, it's like, I love seeing the evolution of mm-hmm. starting out to building something spectacular. So nice. guys, thanks for coming on the show. If you're listening, we're going to drop some links in the uh, show notes so that you can find Innovate. And if you want to reach out to them two all-stars here man yeah, yeah. If, you can, if you can meet one of them in person you'll probably know more people at their company than <laughs> 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 me, no. no man thank thank you guys uh for having us like i said i appreciate yeah. what you guys do I'm a, I'm a listener of the podcast and really think it's great that you're promoting new technologies yeah. in an industry that really desperately needs to adopt them no. right Thanks, man. yeah i know thank you that. for the opportunity i think we are in times of evolution and you guys are doing a great job so appreciate it yeah Thanks, thank you man. guys all right, guys, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, share with your friends and family. Uh, we've got some really, really big news coming on the pipe here soon. And if you want to be one of the first people to kind of find out about it, go sign up for the newsletter, The Roundup. Just go to the website, uh, digitalwellcatters.com forward slash The Roundup. If you want to come and on the show, Proper 12. Proper <laughs> 12. now. Got any a, other kind of whiskey, pretty much any kind of you know, liquor in general. It's funny because we really don't drink that often. I don't even drink that we're much. Gonna have to, we're going to have to start drinking. I've a big so. wall of whiskey up here that I don't drink. The last time I drank, we'll just get some shot glasses. We'll get... <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll catch you in the next episode. Come, come.